All right, guys, welcome back. This is number 57, episode number 57. Um, gonna, I'm going I'm going to you know, jump right into it here. Uh, we're trying to get a few of these recorded here um, as we are on limited time when Ben gets back from school. Um, brings up something that I will put out there. We are going to be um, in search of another Ben. Uh, we're looking for... Not to replace him. Uh, he's sitting next to me, so i got to be careful. Uh, in addition to, so we're looking to build our team. Uh, I'm going to be putting together, and it'll be, I'll be announcing it through social media, but we're going to be looking for another, um, what we're going to call an intern. Um, it is a paid position. It's something that we, we have done. Ben is actually our second intern. We had another intern a few years back um, that worked out really well. Uh, both times we've had interns that have been college kids, um, that are looking to uh, get involved with. One was a true, well, I guess both of them were true internships. First one that we did was a true internship um, through UW River Falls. The second one uh, was Ben. And Ben, you worked for us one summer without formally doing the internship. He just, he worked for us for the summer. We called him, I think we called you kind of an intern at that point, but it wasn't a formal internship through the school. The second summer, we actually did it through UW Oshkosh. We got Ben some credits for it. Um, and that was not only a summer internship, that was a first semester yeah. internship. So that went through last fall. We are looking to do that again. Um, so if you're listening to this, if you're a student, and I don't think you have to be a student, but um, it does help, I think, or make sense from an actual intern uh, credit standpoint, but we we are going to be looking to do that again. Uh, ben is going back to school next year. He's got one full year left, and from there we'll see what happens, but um, we really are in need of additional help, and that's going to be, we're kind of calling it as a part of our marketing team. Um, we're a very small company, and everybody wears a lot of hats around here, so um, it's, you're going to, you're going to get experience and, and, and touch a lot of different segments or sectors of the business. Um, just like every one of us does. So I think it's a great opportunity. I think, um, you know, I think Ben has, you know, you've seen a lot of different things, right? Mm -hmm. And, and I feel like, um, that's something that is nice that we're able to, or valuable that we're able to offer. So you're going to see something like that come out on social media. I've got another, I got a phone call with a buddy of mine um, that they do, they work through some interns as well um, in the outdoor industry as well. Buddy of mine from the hunting public, Aaron Warburton. And I'm going to be talking with him about it because I know they were looking for um, interns as well. And I messaged back and forth and he got some really good feedback on his search. And there may be some um, candidates there that didn't work out necessarily for them space-wise, but uh, could be a fit for us. So um, we're going to start the search um, for this summer and then into next semester, next fall. We're looking for someone that will work with us through the semester fall of fall of 2020, I guess it'd be. So that's a little off topic, um, but and I don't even know how I got onto that, but um, we are going to we are going to dig right in here on this podcast. We're going to hit um, some Facebook questions. Um, None of them are real giant ones, and they're actually ones that I haven't even had a chance to respond to. Some of these are just sent to me in the last 24 hours. Um, but I thought we're just going to do kind of a random shotgun approach here um, and knock out a few of these questions that I know people have the same question. And that's why I like using, um, I like using Facebook. I like using Instagram. I like using um, those platforms and questions that we get because not only I do answer them, um, 
direct. Not all of them end up being podcast questions, but I do think that they turn into nice talking points. So uh, he says he's been following us for a while and recently bought the shed training kit. He's got an 18-week-old lab. This is from Scott. He says, I'm curious if you could help me with this issue. My lab is training really well and does a good job listening to me. When it comes to my wife, he doesn't listen that great. Any tips would be appreciated. Scott, and he said, thanks, Scott. So Scott had a question. Uh, we just posted a, not too long ago, we did a Bella, one of our Bella Be Good um, episodes that recently posted within the last couple of weeks was uh, we went to a local high school, um, Bayport High School here in Green Bay, or just outside of Green Bay. And we did a, a demonstration. We brought Bella. We brought, I think we had Spry, and I th think we maybe had Taylor with. So we had the three of them. We did some demonstration on just basic hunt, uh, hunting dog type stuff. Really, it always kind of lends it, brings itself back to um, foundational work. It's usually where people are struggling the most. Um, it's where this guy, Scott, would be focused at 18 weeks old. 18-week-old puppy is great age. I love them when they get to about that 16-week-old range. I feel like they're really, like, starting to absorb stuff. Um, we're through a lot of the early-on stuff, like housebreaking. Um, some of those habits are starting to form form and stick. So um, when, we had, when we did that seminar, I will call it, or a little demonstration at the high school, one of the questions that came up in the crowd was a gal that said, you know, my dog doesn't listen to my mom listens good to me, doesn't listen to my mom. And so this, that we talk about that in that video, this, in this situation, you're saying listens to me really well, doesn't listen to my wife. So a few of my questions go back to you, Scott, and say, well, how much, invo how involved is your wife in the training? Because at, at 18 weeks old, you probably got the dog about 10 weeks ago, 10 or 11 weeks ago, seven to eight weeks is usually when you're bringing the puppy home. When you bring the puppy home at that age, Training starts immediately. I always tell people the day you pick them up is the day you start training them. That's the day you start forming habits. They're always learning. We're always training. So when you, st my question goes back to, well, how involved has your wife been in this process? Because that's going to dictate the amount of respect and the amount that the dog actually responds to and listens to your wife. If your wife doesn't have any contact with the young dog, it's going to be very difficult to have, expect results because you would be the same in the same boat. If you hadn't done much with the puppy for the last 10 weeks, the pup wouldn't respond well to you. Whatever you've done in the last 10 weeks has created this, this connection and this trust and this feel between you and the dog. And the dog has understanding of your expectations, likely, which is why you're saying training's going pretty well for me. So a lot of that has to do with the amount of interaction you've had and the understanding that the dog has of what it what is expected. And so if the dog, if your wife doesn't relay the same messages to the dog when asking for something or requiring something or leading in some fashion or way, the dog is going to look at your wife like a stranger and go, I don't know what you want to do. It's, it's Maybe she's speaking a different language. If you came to me and spoke Chinese, I'd look at you cross-eyed and go, no idea. And so if you, if you were saying to me something like, I need you to come over here and pick this up, it's very important, and you said it to me in a language I don't understand, I'm going to stand there. And you're going to look at me and go, y y y if you don't realize that you're speaking a different language, you, if you're speaking a different language, you understand, boy, he doesn't understand me. So what is he doing? Nothing. What if, he, what if I actually tried to do something and it was wrong? You'd go, he's doing it wrong because he doesn't understand what I asked him to do. But a lot of times we as trainers and people and human beings 
just don't start thinking along that way. We don't think along the lines of how an animal communicates and understands and reacts and responds. And so we just assume they should speak English. We assume that they should understand our language. They don't. And so sometimes you don't even, sometimes it's not even verbal, it's body language. Sometimes our body language is telling them one thing and we're verbally thinking we're telling them another thing and they respond to our body language, which is not what we're asking them to do verbally and we get upset with it because they're disobeying. No, they're not disobeying, they're responding exactly how you're communicating to them with body language. And they may be responding exactly right to whatever body language it is you're putting on them, it's just you don't want them to do that. So you either have, so at that point you have to understand I'm talking to them in the wrong language. And so A, figure out the right language. So with your wife, the, my tip is your wife needs to become involved with the training process more deeply. Your wife needs to get into the idea of what are these commands looking like, sounding like, acting like? What is it that you're doing when you get good results? Because the dog understands it. Then it needs to be replicated. And that's where consistency comes in. So I like at 18 weeks old, you know, I'm a big proponent of the idea of feeding times. I love feeding times. Dogs are usually very, very interested in earning the reward when it comes to it being food. <clears throat> so I like feeding times. I, I would recommend your wife get involved with that. I hope you're using some structure in your feeding times. If you're not, you should. If you are, she should too. So you start incorporating her into that. And then the dog starts to look at it and go, you know what? That lady there she gives me stuff when I do things right too. She rewards me when I do things right too. And then you start building a rapport, both that lady there and that dog start to understand and get a feel for each other. They start to get to understand what's expected, when it's expected, how it's expected. And so you start to develop what I call a lot of feel for each other. You understand what's coming. And the dog does too. And once the dog does too, then the dog's not caught off guard. A lot of times I think dogs shut down when they don't know what to do. It's just a mechanism of theirs is stop doing anything. Don't do, you can't do it wrong if you don't do anything at all. So a lot of times when we put them in an uncomfortable position, they shut down. And so that needs to be recognized by the handler and not frustrating to the handler. I have talked with and, and, and dealt with and, and worked with some trainers that, you know, it goes back to the word patience and the need and the necessity for it as a handler. You need to be patient when you're a parent. You need to be patient when you're a boss. You need to be patient when you're a teacher. You need to be patient when you're a dog trainer. And when you're, dog, when you're a dog owner, you're a dog trainer. And so there's no way around it. They don't, don't, they don't come as finished goods. They don't, it's a process that, you have, that you're very involved with. So you have to have that level of patience and understanding and the the wherewithal to say, how come they're not doing it? How come they shut down? And so you got to be constantly analyzing the situation that way. And it's just, it just takes a mindset and an understanding of that in the first place and then doing it a lot of times in a row to have it become normal, have it become natural. Um, so I think your wife has to become involved. You know, I hope at 18 weeks, I hope you're working on some some stuff like maybe some heel work, some remote sits, some recall, all of those things. This is a great opportunity for you to not, and this is going to sound cheesy, but you can connect with your wife better. Like if you involve her, incorporate her, you, there might be a little bit of artwork to uh, a, an approach of a craft. You need to maybe work this in so that you say to her, 
I'd like you to become more involved with what me and Fido are doing. And she may look at that one of two ways. She might look at that and go, wow, that's awesome. I want to become involved. She may look at it and go, it's not my dog. Now, if she says it's not my dog and I don't want to be involved with it, you're going to probably run into some issues because you're, she's creating a wall of separation between you, her and the dog, you and the dog, you and her, you and her with the dog. So that, that's, a, that's, a, that's a big dynamic that you got to work towards improving. So by involving her, I do think it can be, if she's anything like my wife, my wife would go, oh, great. I'd like to do more stuff with you. I like being involved with the things that are going on. So you may ha have an opportunity to look at this as you develop and grow on your relationship with her as well by incorporating her into it. The more parts and pieces that are meshed together, the better the thing rolls along. If you start creating division, separation, it, it, it just, dogs aren't dumb. And dogs understand if you don't like them, they know that. Dogs sense and feel stuff way better than we do. And I think we can as well, but I think they do way more than we do. And so if, 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 there, is a, if there is a sense of love for that dog, and, and love can't just mean blindly and, and allow 100% freedom. Sometimes love, you love your dog into a situation of success because your, your love is a little f firmer. You, you've created some, some boundaries. You've created some expectations that you hold the dog to. That's love too. It's not, love just doesn't mean you wear a fanny pack full of treats and give it to them whenever. I think that's bribery. So you got to be careful and understand that. But I think, you know, this, this, this whole thing can foster a much stronger relationship and connection, which ultimately never ends up bad. It always ends up better. Um, and so I think you can work towards that with your wife as well. So um, wife's got to become involved. Wife needs to become a leader. You have a pack there with those, with you, your wife, and the dog. And if there's kids involved, that complicates it even more. There, that's the pack. And so the dog has to understand where it is in the pack. And that doesn't mean you got to be a big bully and beat it up. It doesn't mean you got to be a big boss and be hard, hard on the dog and, and dominate this little. You don't have to be a gladiator in the battle here. You got to have, you got to have some respect for each other. And you, and there's got to be an understanding of where the dog stands in your family, where it stands in your pack. And, and it's not, it can't be on top. It can't be the leader. It can't be the one who dictates and decides what's going to happen, when it's going to happen, how it's going to happen. That's you. So becoming, dis, becoming a strong leader, building your wife up to become a strong leader in the presence of the dog. Um, you know, I'm not going to get into the idea of who's in charge, you or the wife. I'll let you figure that stuff out. Um, but I do think that both, both you and her have to be uh, a solid positive influence in that young dog's life and then that way you can lead it um, going forward so that's the answer to that one i'm gonna look here uh i'm just gonna scroll down um find another quick question and we'll knock that out and then this is what are we at 15 minutes a nice little short one for you guys um let's see i'm scrolling through Maybe this one ends up just being a nice little short one. Um, okay, here we go. So 
This came from someone who sent us some messages. Looks like he's got a hound. He sent me quite a few messages. Um, he brought in... So I've, I've gotten messages for about a month now, and there's about 10 of them that have gone back and forth. So his, quite, his, quite, his last message to me was, I waited until I listened to all your podcasts. So he, he listens to them. Up to this point, before asking, you hear Ellie in the background whining a little bit. She's ready to go outside. But up until this, uh, before asking questions, many of the questions were answered. The one I keep coming back to is crate training. Every dog I have ever had has been an outside dog because my sister was extremely allergic to animals. My dogs have always had a kennel with their dog house and then a dog run attached. I've never had a problem wanting to get I've never had a problem with a dog wanting to get in a crate to go hunting as I've worked with them in training to get in. With crate training your dogs, pretty much first thing, do you think if I keep kenneling my new puppy outside like I have in the past and also working on crate training during the day during the downtime when they get wore out and ready to sleep, that I would be allowing the dog to form a bad habit that would make training harder? Long story short question, would you approach be any different with strictly outside dogs and if so how no i don't think it makes a damn difference at all i think the idea so you're talking about two different actions here the one action that that you're so i when i tell a dog to kennel up or get in their crate it could be for a variety of reasons part of that reason could be what you're looking for you're i think what you're asking is separating the idea of a spot for them to kind of just be um, you know, when, when they're out in their, in their run, which would be like an outside kennel, if I'm envisioning this right, it's an outside kennel with a doghouse or crate that's inside of it, and they go and they lay in it. Um, my dog's free. You just heard Ellie whining. Ellie's in a crate right now, and she's whining and would like to go outside. So she kind of whined a little bit, and she got up, and she scratched a little bit, and you might have been able to hear that. So if I, a lot of times, if I leave that door open, the door, the door is closed right now. If I left the door open, a lot of times my dogs will lay in there if they have the option. So they feel comfortable, which I'm assuming your dog in the outside kennel run would do the same. Probably go into its doghouse or its crate and just lay in there. It's a nice place to get out of the, get out of the sun, get into some whatever. It's comfortable. It's safe. Now, there's a difference between that and telling a dog to load up into a kennel or crate in the truck. And so I do that as well at times. A lot of times my dogs don't ride in the crates because I don't have enough room for the dogs to ride in the crates in the truck. So a lot of times my dog, most of my dogs I train to ride on the floor. They ride on the, the, in the extended cab, they ride on the floor. In the driver's side, they ride on, or passenger side, they ride on the floor. Um, if I do, now Bella, for instance, I've had a, I have a small crate, just a small little plastic crate that I put in the back, um, extended cab part. And I kenneled her up this last weekend when I went up north. The other dogs laid loosely in the, in the you know, they just laid on the floor. But Bella I put in the kennel because I wasn't going to be able to pay attention to her, and I don't want her to chew on something. Now, she hasn't proven to be a chewer, and I have avoided that because I did not allow her to get into that habit. Pretty soon, I probably feel pretty comfortable with her just laying on the floor with the other dogs. But out of, out of, out of habit, I put a small crate in there, and I kenneled her up in it. Now, I don't want to have to wrestle her to get her into that crate. So I, I give her a, come on, let's go, kennel up, get up, get up. And she jumps up there pretty willingly. That just is a transfer from what we done in, what we did in our laundry room where the crates and kennels are right now that you hear Ellie in. I've got two crates in there, and I'll kennel up a Bella at night. I kennel her up, and she goes in there. One of the ways I got her to do it was, you know, I've, I've never turned that into punishment. I've never turned the idea of you've been bad, go in your kennel, go in your crate. Um, 
we try to make it pretty positive. I, I feed the dogs in there after a while. Um, I get them into a game of how quickly can I, at, at dinner time, at feeding times, how quickly can I, when I say kennel up, how quickly can they get in there? Because the quicker they get in there, they're going to get their bowl of food. So I turn it into a little bit of a game. I, I get them excited about the idea of there may be some reward outside of me just saying good boy or good girl when they go into that kennel. We do that consistently enough, it becomes a habit. Kennel, they run into the kennel. Um, that kennel, whether it's in the laundry room or it's on the floor of my truck, doesn't really matter. Now, that's a big jump. So maybe I, maybe I take that kennel out, and if I'm having a dog that's struggling with it, I may have to get the dog to understand to get up into the truck without the kennel to start out with. Sometimes the kennel might actually help the situation because it's familiar to them. So I've had dogs that struggle to load up into the truck. They just don't want to get into that truck. So... I can't turn it into a catch game of catch the dog. Instead, if that were the case, I'd put the dog on a leash. I'd put the dog on a lead and I'd just heal them out to it because they're comfortable with healing. They feel good. They feel safe next to me. I heal them out and I encourage them up into the truck. Hell, I might feed them in the back of the truck, you know, in the, in the, in the extended cab part. I might put a bowl of food in there and get them a reward of feeding time. They're going to go eat in the truck. I'm going to do the exact same thing where I'm going to convince this dog that that truck is not so bad just because they go up into that truck doesn't mean we got to drive for five hours especially if they don't like it a lot of times my dogs enjoy loading up into the trucks because i think they connect the idea of we're going somewhere when we go somewhere it's usually pretty fun um you know we don't just travel to go to the vet we travel to go hunting we go travel to go walking we go travel to do different things that the dogs typically enjoy so it's transferring the behavior of or connecting the behavior of loading up into the truck to going somewhere fun. Um, so I do think it's just a completely different thing you're looking to do. So you've not had issues with loading your dogs into the truck, and that's because probably the same thing. They probably connect it with something that they really like. The idea of training the dog to kennel up in the house as a house dog or training the dog to kennel up into the truck is one and the same. I think they just I think it's just a transformation of where you're doing it. You're just moving locations. So I hope that answers your question. Do I think it's anything to be worried about? Not at all. I'd take the exact same approach. The only difference is, I guess, with the outside dog, and I don't keep my dogs outside in kennel runs, but the difference would be, I probably, here's what I would do if I did keep them outside in kennel runs, and I have put my dogs in outside kennel runs before. I actually use the same command. We have one over at the farm um, that we hunt with, uh, that we hunt on, um, there's an outside kennel run there that we'll occasionally put the dogs into. Um, and it's nice outside and it's, it's shaded. So there's no, you know, they're out of the sun and, but it's a, it's a, I don't know, it's probably like 10 by six or something, 10 by eight, something like that. And we can put multiple dogs in there and there are crates in there as well that we leave the doors open on, but I don't necessarily force the dog to go into the crate. Instead, I tell them get kennel up and they go into the big kennel. So it's just the same command for me represents go to a spot that's enclosed and secure so it might be an eight by ten kennel it might be a you know a two by two crate or whatever the size of those crates are um, it might be the truck kennel up might mean jump up into the truck so i think you can you can use a similar command to do a similar action you just change the the specifics of it um, and i think the dog's I think the dogs transition to that real well. So I don't think you're going to run into any issues. I wouldn't approach the training any differently than what you are doing. So that's it. Uh, got two nice questions out of this. Um, that one was from Cody. Cody, I'll send you a message. I'll let you know that we, um, we answered this in a podcast. 
Uh, I'm going to get your t-shirt size and we'll send you a t-shirt. And then the first one, who was that first question from? Um, Scott. Scott. So Scott's going to get a message back from me as well. And I'll shoot you a message, shoot me a t-shirt size, and we'll get you guys taken care of. That's it. Number 57 is in the book. So thank you guys for the support. Please continue to support us. If you would do us a favor, leave us a review. Um, if you're not subscribed to the podcast, I recommend it, and I ask you a favor to do it. Uh, I also ask you to share it with someone that you think it might help. So thank you guys. We appreciate the support more than you know. For a small company like ours, um, projects like this um, are very, very rewarding, and it comes from feedback that we're getting, not only in questions, but also in, hey, I've just listened to the podcast. You know, I can't tell you how good it feels, and I get a lot of them, and I'm really happy about it. It, when people say, I binge listened to your podcast, because I am guilty of binge listening at times. My wife binge watches uh, stuff on, I don't know, Netflix or something like that. And I think it's nuts because I go, man, you just spent a lot of time watching it, but she just can't get enough of it. And she watches the whole series. I, to me, that's the ultimate compliment. Uh, if we can hold on to you, your attention, and you want to listen to me talk that much about dogs, it's the ultimate compliment. So I thank you for that. I appreciate it. Um, we'll continue to do our best to give you guys good stuff. So thanks again, and we'll continue putting these out. <laughs>